It's good to be here, isn't it? It's good just to make it here this morning. Uh, last couple of weeks, Brian Roder, Jericho Nelson both helped start the year out by preaching, and I am thankful for both of those guys. And this morning, by the grace of God, here I stand, and I want to finish starting 2024 uh, this morning. And with just four letters, we are going to build on a phrase for this year that I, I plan to direct at you and at me every Sunday. I'm in. And this morning, it's on the front of the bulletin. It's those four letters, those two words, I'm in. Seems simple enough to remember. Everybody got it memorized? <laughs> I'm in. James says if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also, though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, yet they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. These two little words, four letters long, are very small, but their significance, I don't think, can be overemphasized. And we're going to spend a year asking and answering this question every week Are you in? Are you in? It's a question that arises from the text that I'd like us to look at together this morning. Please open your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. <clears throat> Romans 12, first couple of verses are the verses that this really derives from, at least in my thinking. It's coming on the tail end of the whole rest of the letter, where Paul then looks back and he says, there in verse 1, Romans 12, verse 1, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Where you are this morning when it comes to this idea of being someone who is dedicated or transformed or bought in to Jesus Christ, where are you in that? Or does it matter? I'm glad you asked that. Because just with this letter, just the book of Romans, here in about one minute, I want to go ahead and answer this question. Does it matter even if you're in Jesus? Does it matter? Romans chapter 3, verse 22, talks about the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Do you want righteousness? Then it matters. Verse 24, we're justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Do you want redemption? That comes with being in Christ Jesus. Chapter 3, verse 26, so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. You want to be justified? You want to be in Jesus. Chapter 6, verse 11, Jim just read it, that we are dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Do you want to be alive? Wait for answers here. <laughs> Chapter 6, verse 23, the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Who wants the free gift of God? Eternal life. 
That means being in Christ. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If we don't want to be condemned, we need to be in Christ Jesus. Why? Verse 2. Because the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Later on in that chapter, Paul says nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Chapter 12, verse 5, we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Chapter 15, verse 17, in Christ Jesus, then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God. Would you like to be proud of your work for God? Where does that happen? It happens in Christ. Even in chapter 16, verse 10, Paul says, greet Apelles, we don't know anything about him, who is approved in Christ. Wouldn't you like to be approved All those things happen in Christ. So the subject of being in Christ is something I think that should have our attention every day. I want to be in. How about you? I want that for you too. How do we get there? What does that mean? I'm glad you asked that. Here's three ways that we can see if we're in Christ. Number one is found there in verse one. You are in Christ if you are dedicated. To Christ, if you have been dedicated to Christ. Romans 12:1 says, Because of God's great mercy to us, we should offer yourselves as a living sacrifice to God, dedicated to his service and pleasing to him. This is the true worship that you should offer. That's from today's English version. We have a challenge, you and I, when it comes to what this living sacrifice thing means. Because most of us have never been involved in animal sacrifices. Anybody here? None. All right. I kind of figured that. A pig and a chicken were going down a rural road in the back of a pickup truck. And they came across a rural billboard that said, Bacon and Eggs. The Great American Breakfast. And since this is a story I'm telling, the pig and the chicken talk. And the chicken says to the pig, isn't it great to know that we contribute to something that's so important in our culture? And the pig looks at the chicken and says, what for you is a contribution for me is a sacrifice. (laughs) This word sacrifice and what it means has a deeper meaning for certain people, doesn't it? Sacrifices for the Jews meant that you took something and you deliberately gave it away, something of value that you no longer could have. It was gone. No getting it back. Paul says, offer your bodies, yourself, as a living sacrifice. That'd be different. You know, when a bull or goat was selected and then killed It was burned on the altar. That was a one-and-done event for that animal. It didn't have any say in the matter. It couldn't be offered a second time. It could only be done once. When verse 1 here says to offer your body as a living sacrifice, it is talking about something that means going just beyond good intentions. It's talking about your whole self being given over to God for His purposes. 
It's not just giving up something that you have or something that you own. It's not just making a sacrifice of some resource that's renewable in your life. It is talking about giving your whole self over completely for God to use. Living sacrifice. That's part of what it means to be in Jesus, to be that dedicated. It means that you daily are dedicating yourself to his purposes for your life. That's what verse 1 is about. Someone who is in Christ is someone who is, say it with me, dedicated. Let's try it again. Someone who is in Christ is someone who is dedicated. Dedicated to his purposes. Let's go on to verse 2, which deals with the maintenance of that. Verse 2 talks about being transformed. You know, every year, certain fish, especially salmon, Atlantic salmon or Pacific salmon, make an important journey. It's not an easy trip, and for many of them, it is the last big trip they'll ever make. They go up to the northwest, and there they spawn to perpetuate the species. It's a good thing that they do. Otherwise, their species would be doomed to extinction in one generation. And it requires a whole lot of work for them to make that 900 or so mile journey ascending. This is a fish going uphill about 7,000 feet as they make that journey to the place near where they were first hatched. They spawn and then they die. For them, they either swim against the current or as a species, they cease to exist. Thus the life of a salmon. There's a spiritual lesson in this because in a sense, if the members of the Lord's church don't reproduce, the church within a generation is doomed to extinction. If the members of our homes don't swim against the current of this age. We're doomed for spiritual demise. And I believe that more than ever, our families need to make this the instruction, the, the center of their homes. This scripture needs to be the defining mark of our homes. Chapter 12, verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Dedicated people are people who swim against the current of this world. That ought to be a fixture in our homes and a fixture at Central Christian Church. It's George Bernard Shaw who said, if you do things merely because you think some other fool expects you to do them, and he expects you to do them because he thinks you expect him to expect you to do them, it'll end in everybody doing what nobody wants to do, which is, in my opinion, a silly state of things. I happen to agree with that. The Holy Spirit tells us here in verse 2 to stop being conformed to the pattern of this world, to swim against the current, to be a standout, non-conformity. And by the way, non-conformity as a Christian isn't just about being weird for the sake of being weird. There's some people that they think that's what it's all about. It's not that. And it's not just about diverging from traditions or being different than a culture. 
There is something that actually matters here. There is something that the Lord wants us to avoid. It's the patterns of society that interfere with our relationship with God. It's the trends around us that pressure us to fall into line with everybody around us. It's science and politics and art and philosophy and technology and religion whenever those things divert us from God's will. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Stop being patterned after this world, he says. Instead, be transformed. The word is where our word metamorphosis comes from. Like the change that happens when that ugly, grubby-looking worm puts itself inside of a cocoon and emerges a butterfly. Be transformed. There should be a noticeable, ongoing transformation in our lives. Instead of conformity, there should be, here's a word, transformity. So let's look at the nature of that transformity, and then I want to talk about how we can put that into practice, all right? What is transformity? What does it look like? Well, number one, it's ongoing. The verb tense here means that. It's ongoing. This is an energizer bunny thing. It goes on and on and on. Every time we deny ourselves physically, we're experiencing some feature of this. When Paul said, I beat my body daily to make it my slave, that's what he was talking about. It's one thing to be a martyr. It's one thing to die for Jesus and to go out in a blaze of glory. And I admire and I'm inspired by those Christians that courageously have died for Jesus. But you know what? There is a certain heroism in living for Jesus day after day after day in a relationship that is continually being given over to him. Paul says it this way in 1 Corinthians 15, I protest, brothers, by my pride in you, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die every day. Were you saved once we got to watch Emiah being baptized this morning? Were you once saved? Good for you. Has there been an ongoing transformation in your life since then? Is Jesus still noticeably at work on you? Or did you check that off and quit changing? If you're someone who's thinking of following Jesus and this morning you just don't think you're good enough, then good for you. You have come to the first and most important understanding. You're not good enough. And once you accept Jesus, you're still not good enough. Let him get started on you, but understand accepting him doesn't mean that everything about your life is suddenly going to be perfect as it should be. It's supposed to be an ongoing change. Amen? Or has everyone arrived? It's ongoing. Here's the second characteristic of that transformation. It is God-driven. Don't be conformed, it says, but be transformed. And there's something more than this, in other words, than just trying really hard. We can either let the world squeeze us into its mold, or we can place ourselves into the potter's hands and allow him to shape us into what we're supposed to become. We need more than just our own strength to do this. We need a change that is done by God. 
2 Corinthians 3.18, we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being, and here's the word again, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. See, I can either try that on my own, and I can fail miserably, or I can turn to all the other people who are in the same boat with me, and we can all fail miserably together, or I can submit myself to God, and I can let him be in charge of that makeover, and I'm betting he's the one that will do the best job. It has to be God-driven. Here's something else I learned from this text, and that is it's got to be inside out. One of the works of the Holy Spirit is the renewing of our minds. Be transformed, he says, by the renewing of your mind. Just approaching life with a renewed perspective makes a big impact on the way we do things. That's why Jesus wanted to remind us to think about heaven. In fact, the whole New Testament is constantly pointing us to heaven and to think about what our eternal goal is. Seeing life with an eternal perspective affects the way we live. So Paul says in Colossians, if then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on things that are on earth. See, being in Jesus isn't just about changing the way that you speak or dress or what you do. It is, first, about a changed mind, a way of thinking that's continually being made new so that your life shows that there's been a change. Being being in Jesus doesn't just mean you don't participate in sins. It means that you have genuinely, inwardly become convinced that they're horrible and that they're irrational. And if you're not convinced of that this morning then you know now why you're struggling with those things. The goal of this transformation is to be and to do whatever God desires, his will. When we let him have his way, when we place ourselves in the center of that will, then, Paul says, we'll be able to find out what is good and pleasing and perfect in God's sight. It's great that we get to enjoy being in a right relationship with him. But we've got to remember this whole thing exists for him, through him. Conforming to the image of God, conforming to the will of God is the opposite of conforming to the world's pattern. We don't have to look at every aspect of our society and then try not to do that. What we have to do is approach lives that are renewed by God and conform to what he wants. And that'll help us answer then some of the cloudier questions about culture and tradition. Listen to this quote. A culture obsessed with technology will come to value personal convenience above almost all else, and ours does. Among the consequences is impatience with anything that interferes with personal convenience. Religion, morality, and law do that, which accounts for the tendency of modern religion to eschew proscriptions and commandments and turn to counseling and therapeutic sermons. Of morality to be relativized and of law, particularly criminal law, to become soft 
and uncertain. Sound familiar? This idea of deciding to live against the flow of the current is a hazardous concept. Since the church began, it has cost Christians their lives. It still does today. Let me ask you, what is it costing you and me? At this point, for some, it's costing friendships. For some, it might cost your job. I want to tell you this morning that it is probably the hardest for teenagers than for any other group. If you've got a teenager in your life, would you please help them with this? Help them swim against the current. Be aware of the tremendous pressures that they are facing as they try not to conform to the world. Encourage them when it's tough. Give them a hand when they need it. Hold them accountable. Help them see that they can do it and tell them you expect them to do it. Stacy Allison, whom I had never heard of before, said, you've got to decide sometimes in your life when it's okay not to listen to what other people are saying. If I had listened to other people, I wouldn't have climbed Mount Everest. See, Stacy was the first American woman to summit Mount Everest, 1988. Most people haven't done that. I guess that makes her a nonconformist. And I guess also that's a good example that it's worth not taking our direction for life from TikTok and Instagram and Facebook. Dedicated. Transforming. Here's the third thing that indicates if someone's in Jesus, and that is having buy-in. I want you to look next in verses 3 to 8. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In other words, the place in life where you've invested yourself is the place where your heart will follow. If you are in Jesus, you will be investing your life in what matters to him. So look there in chapter 12 of Romans Start reading with me in verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. The context here is really important. Think about this together. People who are in Christ Jesus are people who are dedicated to him, are people who are being transformed by him, and they are also, we just read it, people who are bought in to the work of Jesus Christ in his body, the church. They're people who are exercising their gifts by serving in the body of Jesus Christ. 
Brothers and sisters, without apology, I'm going to be repeating this year that being in Jesus means being regularly and actively participating as a member of his body. The rest of the body needs it. And every member of the body is important, and none of us is above serving it. Amen? Why does it matter in culture? in our society, that people would learn a skill and work for a living. By the way, did you know that's important? Learn a skill and work for a living. Why? Glad you asked that. Because it fulfills our God-given purpose to create and to cultivate His creation. This morning, I got up in a house warmed by a furnace Now, I want you to think of all the skilled people that required. It required scientists to study how that could be done. It required engineers who had to design it. There were miners who had to unearth stuff for steel, aluminum, copper, brass, tin. There were geologists who had to discover where that could be dug up. Someone had to drill for natural gas. Someone else had to make pipes to get that gas to my house so that it could go to a meter that was built by someone else. And then there's a company, I know there is because I send them money every month, named NICOR. And they oversee that the gas gets to my house. There is another company, I send them a check every month, ComEd. They send electricity through wires that somebody built to make the whole thing run. And my thermostat, made by yet another company, uses Wi-Fi and internet to control that furnace. It all had to be installed by a company here in town. It literally took tens of thousands of people to make that one appliance work in my one house this morning. That's just one example. Remove any one of them, it wouldn't work like it's supposed to. You know what? That's how things work here on planet earth that's how life is and that's how things work here we see it all over in our lives all day long for us to function the way that god intends we're supposed to take what we are able to do and we're supposed to put it to work for others brothers and sisters that is also how the church works take any part of that out And it doesn't work the way that it's supposed to. I want to share with you this morning three verses that could totally change your life. I really want to share them with you, but I don't remember what they are. I'm kidding. (laughs) Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. Whatever you do in word or deed, Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Drop down to verse 23. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Lest that be out of context, Paul's talking to slaves. 
And if it is true that someone who is a slave can look at his work and say about his work, I'm not doing this because I'm a slave. I am doing this because I serve the Lord Jesus Christ. How true could it be of us? You're going to use your abilities to serve somebody. It may be to serve a boss. It may be to serve a customer or stockholders of a company. It may be to serve your teacher who gives you an assignment. It may be your soccer coach who pushes you. Or it could be just to serve yourself. Or you may serve your family or your community with your abilities. Every one of those is an opportunity, though, it is an opportunity to take a good thing and to place it ahead of God in your life. Or there's an opportunity to do a great job and give God the credit. What if people saw you at your school? What if people saw you at your job? What if people saw you at some volunteer work that you do, doing a great job, and doing a great job not just for people, and you said to them, the reason I do this, the reason I do my work this way is because I'm working for God. What would happen? I'll tell you what would happen. Someone would look at that and say, I like him. He's been really good for you. He's really brought out something good in your life. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Are you in? Are you in? You have the opportunity to be a part of that. This morning, we've just taken a brief look at what it means to be in Christ. And now the question that we should take on ourselves is to ask, am I in? Have I bought into this? Have I dedicated myself to this? Am I being shaped by God for this? Am I in? going to ask that question every week for about 50 weeks. You're going to get tired of hearing it. But you know what? It's a question we need to ask ourselves every day. Am I in? We got to watch Emiah say in no uncertain terms, I want to be in on this. Count me in. Emiah is in. All right? That could be you this morning. So if that's a decision that you haven't made yet, I want to encourage you to step forward and say, I'm in. I'm ready to begin. I'm ready to dedicate myself. I'm ready for the Lord to start changing me. And I'm ready for that ongoing process to be a part of my life from now to the end. Let's stand up together. If you're ready this morning to make that decision, you know what? The baptistry is still warm. And uh, we would make sure that you get relatively dried off before you stepped outside today, too. But more important than that, the Lord promises to meet you there. He promises there to unite you with Jesus Christ 
And if you haven't done that yet, you need to be asking yourself the question, am I in? And if not, why not? We're going to have a word of prayer. We're going to sing a song together. I'm going to be right here at the front. If you're ready to say, I want to be in today, step down to the front while we're singing that song. Let's pray. Father, now we take your word, the things that we have looked at, and we ask that it would do its work on our hearts. Each one of us, Father, needs to be changed from the inside out. We recognize that before you today. We need your spirit living in us to help us in this. We need our lives to be not conformed to this world, but to be transformed by that renewal that comes from having you in our lives. So, Father, we ask you, please, to face us with this question and hear from us our response. Are we in? Lord, please, help us to make those decisions today that honor you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.